Sound of Hockey episode 156. We're calling this one the Alec Martinez episode. Why are we calling it that, John? Uh, you know, he had 156 career even strength points. Okay. How about that? <laughs> and right. so that assumes wow. assumes we get this out before the regular season starts cuz yeah. he is still active for the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess That's a good one. It's not penalty minutes, so you kind of went yeah. back to the well on that one a little bit, huh? You you went back to the drawing board, decided to kind of get back to roots. Yeah. Even strength points? I've probably done that specific. before, have but you? yeah. I know that you have. That's yeah. pretty specific. Is it even strength points or 5 on 5 points? Even strength. Excellent clarifier. Yeah, excellent clarifier, (laughs) Andy. Uh, Hey, this is Sound of Hockey. I am Darren Brown at Darren Fun Brown on the Twitter, joined as always by Andy Ide. How's it going? I'm at Andy Ide on the Twitter. I forgot to say hello, Andy, but that's okay. Okay. And John Barr. (laughs) Hello, John. Hello, everybody. I'm NHL2Seattle on the Twitter. And we are coming to you from Seattle. And not only are we coming to you from Seattle, but we are coming to you for the first time since the beginning of the pandemic. From Bar Down Studios, ladies and gentlemen. In the same right. room. It is, uh, it is something. We are looking each other in the eye. We are <laughs> we've talking re- to we've one remodeled. another. We've remodeled quite yeah. a bit. It's a yeah. bit more of a, uh, a fitness studio now than a recording <laughs> studio. Uh, I don't remember it's a little the, uncomfortable. Yeah, the Peloton tread over there in the, uh, in the corner is a, a nice touch. So uh, it makes it feel much warmer down here, that's for sure. We can, we can get in and work out if... Uh, if this, if this pod, yeah, exactly. It could, One of I us mean, needs to take could. a break. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and frankly, you know, this is this is uh, we're doing it again. We're doing the late episode thing again. We're recording Tuesday night after a six-zero shellacking at the hands of Connor McDavid for the Seattle Kraken. Uh, and it's late. It is it is nine thirty p.m. as we're starting this thing up. Uh, so it might go off the rails again, just like it did last week. But frankly, the off the rails to me. I mean, I got some good chuckles out of that. So <laughs> hopefully, we can have that happen again tonight. Um, I feel you know what? I feel weird. This is this is a weird feeling being back in the studio looking at you guys. It is and talking and not being on. And yeah, this is how we started Zoom for like the Skype. first year. I know. I know. Uh, anyway, here we are. So uh, what do we do now? I guess we do a show. <laughs> we go yeah. into the show. Uh, it is going to be a good show, too. We have a interesting interview this week. Now, uh, as you may know, we do a segment called Goalie Gear Corner, which nope, is, of course, never heard of that. everyone's favorite yep. segment. It's, it's wonderful. Everyone. And whenever... <laughs> Whenever we uh, do goalie gear corner and we have a Brian's setup, Andy uh, always likes to comment that like he the Brian's. Love the that Brian's. he loves Brian's yeah, exactly. Brian's I like the Brian's too. You know what I just realized? By the way, I'm gonna just uh, pause that train of thought for one second. I'm currently wearing my noise canceling headphones as if we're on a Zoom call. Uh-huh. There's no sound coming through these. <laughs> well, they're noise canceling. I'm having a really hard time hearing you guys. I'm going to go ahead and take those off. All right. Oh, I can hear much better now. Here we go. Here we go. All right. So as we were saying, Brian's. So we thought it would be fun to get somebody from the Brian's company on our uh, show to talk to him a little bit about goalie gear, what his process is. Uh, So he actually is the pro rep. So he works with a lot of the pros to, to help them design their pads and help them you know, understand what they want. He's a product developer. He's a marketer. He does a little bit of everything. So he's he's got a really interesting story to tell us. And uh, we get into, into a lot of uh, cool stuff there. So stick yeah. around for that. And, you know, we understand that we are 
into actual Kraken hockey now. And don't worry, we're going to talk about that plenty on the show. But we also want to maintain now moving forward our roots, right? We still, we don't want to be just a Kraken show. We never want to be just a Kraken show. We always want to be a hockey show. And so we're going to continue to do some of these kind of off the wall, unique interviews that are not just Kraken focused. It's going to be just hockey people. So uh, those will still come. Uh, But you know what? Let's get into our show. All right. And we are going to start by talking about the Kraken, who have, in fact, played real hockey now. Uh, And by real, I mean preseason hockey. (laughs) It's been quite the ride here these last few days. So uh, we've had training camp all week, which has been uh, it's been interesting, Mm -hmm. I will say. Uh, Lots and lots of time at the rink for Andy and myself. John's popped in there a couple times as well. Lots of waiting around, standing around. A decent amount of waiting around. There's been some funny moments of waiting around. Like mm-hmm. uh, w- the one time, you know, because a lot of times they have TV cameras. So like, well, we want to make sure that the audio is decent for them. And uh, so the Zamboni's out and we're waiting for Dave Haxtell to come out. And, you know, they're like, hey, it'll be a few more minutes. We're just going to wait for the Zamboni to finish up here. And then we'll have uh, Haxtell come out so you can all hear him really well. And for whatever reason, <laughs> the Zamboni must have flooded the ice like three times and we're all standing there and no one was really like saying anything and all of a sudden Nick Katsunika just goes this is the longest resurfacing of all time <laughs> and we all looked at each other like it is it what is forever. going on here and he just he just kept going and going so uh, that was a pretty fun, funny moment but you know it's it's been good it's been cool to see NHL players up close and uh, doing what they do on a practice right I mean mm-hmm. how many times have you showed up and watched guys practice NHL hockey uh, not too many times for myself in my life so that's been cool uh aside from training camp though we do have some preseason games under the belt now let's start with sunday john i'm sure that uh this was a pretty momentous occasion for you it certainly was for me they played in spokane uh, i just want to hear about your takeaways your feelings from that night yeah it was pretty cool i was almost uh, i was pretty nervous actually all day like mm-hmm. kind of the anxious <laughs> nervous like a little kid before christmas you know just like excited but also like what's going to happen tomorrow what's going to happen at the game and just to see everybody like lined up as we came to the arena and i'm like oh my gosh this is crazy and seeing all the kraken gear i mean there was a lot of kraken gear there and it was just a great vibe the second i i walked in and i mean security actually it was a long line but security flowed pretty well and the bottlenecks were really with ticketing but it was you know i got in there plenty early got to see warm-ups and it was nuts and then i don't know if we're going to get into it but the players came out for warm-ups wearing all the same jersey number 21 (laughs) (laughs) and wearing kraken and and from afar you're you know i'm not super familiar with everybody's style and what they look like right i'm like there's a lot of guys I didn't I didn't know who they were, right? <laughs> um, I mean, it was a little further away, but there's some guys I know, like Tanif. Oleksiak, you can probably pick yeah, him up. Alexiak. Yeah, Oleksiak. <laughs> I mean, Larson, yeah. and, you know, Everly, and those guys like that I've seen skate quite a bit. You could tell who they were, but, you know, after, you know, the first eight or nine guys, you're like, ah, I'm not sure who that is. So Couldn't tell your Nathan Bastions from your... Uh, for Chalowski. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it was cool. It was such a good vibe, and, and that was kind of chilling to see them take warm-ups and just do the kind of the warm-up skate, you know, mm-hmm. where they're all just flowing there, and I'm like, oh, my God, those cracking jerseys. And by the way, <laughs> those flipping jerseys they look, look pretty amazing. Nice. Yeah, they look and, pretty and nice. And I did watch the uh, scrimmage on the internet on Saturday because mm-hmm. I, I went over to Spokane a little early. I watched that Saturday scrimmage. I'm like, man, these jerseys look sweet on the ice. Yep. So I knew it was going to happen, but then once I got in the arena and saw them come out there, it was like phenomenal. It was unreal. And there was just a... 
excitement vibe, like as if it was a regular season game. It was almost like a mini opening night, I think. And just wait till opening night because oh that's God. the vibes are there. Because I and I've told this story before, but I went to the Vegas opening night, mm-hmm. and it's chilling when you see these these guys come out on the ice for the first time. Yeah. So whether you're Vested or not invested, it's going to be insane. So that yep. was my pregame hype excitement. I was I was numb. And I really tried not to tweet too much because I just wanted to enjoy it and put the phone down, and I did. So well, I, I was taking care of the tweeting on the Sound of Hockey account, uh, <laughs> and I did a lot of it, so I hope you guys enjoyed it and followed along with that. Uh, if it's too much, you know, let me know, but uh, I didn't think it was. I think uh, I think people were mostly enjoying that. So I think you'll you'll know by the, the follower count. Yeah, yeah, as it goes <laughs> up and down, right? But uh, you know what was really cool for me? I, I sent a tweet that said, uh, hey, NHL to Seattle, your watch is over, congratulations, something like that. And immediately, like within like seconds of me sending that, it had like dozens of retweets and likes and things. And I was like, wow, a lot of people recognize what John has done here. And that was when I kind of uh, started to get a little bit like actually emotional in the yeah, moment. Yeah. I was like, yeah, this is such a huge like, yeah, it's a preseason game. Right. As as John Forsland once said, it's a meaningless game that has all the meaning in the world, right? And and it really was one of those things where it was like this this doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things, but it's so important, you know. And that the gravity of that moment just hit me right then yeah. and there. Uh, you know, the the lights came up, they dropped the puck, this fans started chanting, "Let's go crack!" In, and I was like, "Holy crap!" It got really loud. They did the release the crack and thing. Andy leans over and he goes, "Wow, I just got actual chills." And I was like. <laughs> Yeah, me too. Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was it was so cool uh, to to have that experience. And then, I mean, obviously the Kraken were playing against scrubs, right? Like it's a you know they had Brock Besser and then a whole bunch of guys that probably won't play in the in the NHL this season, uh, playing for Vancouver. But still, you know, the Kraken played a good game. They looked great. Uh, mm-hmm. So to see them come away with the win was a nice little cherry on top of that uh, ice cream sundae that was. Sunday. So <laughs> anyway, Andy, what were your takeaways other yeah. than uh, being scared walking across the catwalk yeah. to get to the press box? I'm not a fan of heights. Uh-huh. And to get to the press box in Spokane, you have to cross, cross <laughs> uh, walk over a scaffolding that is over the arena. Yeah. You look down and you see people sitting in the stands yep. below you, hundreds of feet below you. And it wobbled a lot and it was a little rickety. Yeah. And I, I messaged Tom Boyning, the play-by-play guy for the Thunderbirds, who's there all the time. Mm-hmm. And he says, to me, oh, you know, you can lift those things up. Yep. Which I didn't appreciate knowing. Yeah. That made me feel even less safe. And I ended up, by the end of the night, I had to walk over that scaffolding like five times. Yeah. You, know, you go downstairs to get the meal. Darren and I did a preview video. There was post-game stuff. So uh, by the last time, though, I was feeling okay. I didn't hold yeah. on to the railings that yeah. last time. you faced was, your fears. Yeah. yeah. So I felt better. But I uh, actually, uh, when I came into the arena, they were like... You have a great scaffolding yeah, story. Hey, <laughs> you should probably just wait for somebody because it's really confusing to find the press box. It is. And I was like, oh, I'm sure I can find it. Like I've, you know, I've been to junior arenas before. I've been to the press boxes before. I'm sure I'll figure it out. And I got up there, started walking across some scaffolding, realized that I was literally hovering over the oh. ice surface. Like I was all the way out, like oh. in the middle. Oh my right? god! It makes me queasy even and I'm hearing like, the story. I'm like, <laughs> I don't think this is the right way. Like, I, <laughs> I don't think I'm supposed to be here. And I looked to my left and I could see the press box like down below me down to the left and that was when i kind of uh figured it out but uh that was definitely a a harrowing realization when i recognized that i was standing hundreds of feet above the ice surface
surface and was not supposed to be so yeah um but yeah i mean everything you guys said that the chills were there uh you know the chills for me the, the whoever that pa person was that yelled let's go crack and that's mm-hmm. when i kind of felt the chills because it yeah. was as, i believe as the team was coming out of the ice or after they had just come out of the ice to start the game yeah um it was there was there were a lot of surreal moments like Oh, we're just we're, we're I'm covering a Kraken game. This is like a, this is like the Seattle's NHL team. That's the, those are the Vancouver Canucks, mm-hmm. at least the Vancouver Canucks jerseys. Yeah, that were, <laughs> that were right across <laughs> there from, um, you know. But by the end of the night, I kept thinking that, you know, it didn't matter if they won because no. it was three three in the second period, and I thought, you know, a win would be nice. But just just the fact that we're here, we're doing this, and I thought back to three years ago or so when we were at city council meetings and all those city council oh, meetings we God. went to, and yeah. those are a little crazy at times. Yeah. Uh, How did the crowd in Spokane compare to the crowd at a city council meeting? Uh, it was a little, <laughs> a little better. Less less uh, people accusing the city council members of being Nazis. That, uh-huh. I didn't hear that at oh, all wow. there. We did hear Thanks. that sometimes at city council yeah, meetings. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was just like how much more fun it was to talk about the Kraken. And I wrote this in my recap but about like how good the forecheck was or, or, or how the power play looked instead of where's the arena going to be built? Who's going to be able to build the arena? Is there going to be enough parking? That stuff so far in the past now. But it, it seems like 10 years ago, but it was really just three, three yeah. or four years ago. But I thought, man, this this is the moment. Like this, I, I thought training camp was the moment. Like, okay, now it feels real. We're watching a training camp. But seeing an actual game preseason or not you know that was that to me was was the moment yeah uh plenty more to come you know they played in edmonton tonight they play in calgary tomorrow and then we still have two more local games here one in uh, everett and one in kent so uh more to come before the the regular season gets underway obviously we don't get to see a home game for almost a month at this point but uh you know it's gonna be great when it finally happens and and it's uh, it's just it's so good this yeah, is as good loud stuff. as those ten thousand plus fans were mm-hmm. in spokane i can't imagine what climate pledge is gonna yeah. be like because they were loud in spokane they yep. spokane you guys you guys showed up That's yeah it was, right. it was definitely like a a well-educated hockey oh, yeah. fans right it wasn't a new market by any means and that might be because it's a bunch of junior fans or some hardcore people that went over from seattle mm-hmm. and so it is going to be interesting what kind of audience we get in climate pledge no i didn't hear like an excessive yelling shoot on the power play no yeah. or anything like that that you mm-hmm. kind of hear from a little bit more um novice fans if you will which is yeah. totally fine right like we need more fans and that's going to be totally fine so i whatever feels natural but um i felt it was a very educated group of fans there yeah so feel free to yell shoot the power play but don't bang on the glass i can't stand that <laughs> uh especially when there's a dust up right yeah, yeah yeah one funny little anecdote as i was driving from seattle to spokane uh i saw somebody with one of those window flags that said release the kraken and so just like naturally i'm like oh it's a kraken fan i want to drive up next to him and take a look and i look over in the window and it's paul buxton super, super fan, fan yeah. paul buxton right who who we all know so well uh and it was one of those where i kind of like passed him and i was like oh that was paul buxton so then I like did an aggressive like <laughs> I hit the brakes kind of hard and slowed back down and waved at him like really aggressively so that he could see me. And later on, I learned that he had just started listening to last week's podcast episode. <laughs> so he was listening to my voice and he looks to the left on the freeway and saw me like wildly waving at him to get his attention. And so, what part of the drive was this? Were you already uh, way into eastern Washington? It was it? like probably middle of Washington. I okay. think I was like well past the mountains. Okay. So uh, it was it was a funny funny experience <laughs> to run into him. He's the man is everywhere he yep, just he sure he, is he pops up and then i got to the arena uh at about four o'clock pulled into the uh the parking lot on a little scooter there's paul standing <laughs> in the parking lot i'm like how how well, does this happen it's and bonkers. just so you know i did run into paul of course you did in the arena and 
John from Spokane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was with John oh, from Spokane. Yeah, yeah that's I met right. Him as well, he, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I remember. He's like, I'm John from Spokane. I'm like, mm-hmm. I know who you are. You wrote the review, and then he did a follow up correspondence <laughs> on awesome. Twitter. So yeah. anyway, I speaking of getting to the arena, I, I took an Uber with Brian Lee, our, our great photographer, and mm-hmm. all the way to Spokane. That's insane. No, from, from, from a hotel oh, to and, the oh. arena, okay. <laughs> and. Uh, that would have been a hefty Uber yeah. uh, bill, but uh, we kept. We told our driver we need to go to the east or the west side where there's a 24-hour security entrance, and the guy had no idea where that was. So there were a lot of like little checkpoints because there were like some streets were blocked off. At each checkpoint, he told that story to the to the person there, and they were all like, "Oh yeah, I just keep going." Like nobody checked to see that we were legit. <laughs> so we basically got all the way to the security with nobody really questioning the how story. Do, how do they check if you're legit in that scenario? Though? I don't Fair know. Fair question. But they, we got question. pretty close to the arena without anybody really checking to see yeah. who we were. So I thought, well, this is how I'm going to get into all hockey games now. Yeah. I'm just going to just say, oh, just yeah. Just say West Side. I got to go to that one door. Security, yeah. Just pretend. Just pretend <laughs> fake you it, the Fake place. it till you make it. Exactly. Now, someone did ask my name when I got in the arena. Uh-huh. We should comment on the game operations that were there yeah. because uh, it was definitely a sneak peek at what we're going to see at Climate Pledge Arena. Uh, there were, it felt like they were testing some things. I, I really don't think they've settled on a goal song yet. So they had several different goal songs that played. I do remember they played Lithium by Nirvana. I can't for the life of me remember what the other ones are, which maybe that tells you that that should be the goal song. I don't know. I, yeah. I'd be fine with it. It didn't like, I think well, they played that a away, couple but, times, right? Yeah. They did play Posse on Broadway really yes, short, that was but funny. that wasn't a goal song. That was, they played it underneath the announcement of the first goal. And then as soon as the announcement was over, you heard my Posse's on Broadway, which was awesome. I yes. love that. It was kind of like it was a better version of the Sharks. Bam, bam. That's what it was. <laughs> better version. Way better. Way better. Better than the power play. Power play. Oh, power play. God. Yeah. Well, I hate that one too. Yeah. So. Okay. They also played Man in the Box, mm-hmm. which was funny. For they, a penalty box. For yeah. a penalty. They yeah. played some other um, Nirvana. They played Smells Like Team Spirit, but it was like remix kind of remix. Thing. Yeah. It was. I felt like that was a little safe. The lithium, Man in the Box, all that stuff. A little safe. It's like, oh, we need to keep it local, something mm-hmm. recognized. That's what bums me out, though, is a bunch of people from outside of Seattle are recommending mainstream songs from Seattle. But, like, they could play so much more. They ha- They didn't even try to go, like, deep cuts or mm-hmm. anything like that. It's a that. fair well, piece of constructive criticism there, Jim. Well, yeah, I mean, fair. I, it's just my personal feeling. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot more to offer in Seattle than things that have been played on the radio for the last... But we years. also don't yeah. know what what's going to happen in the next two, next two home games. Maybe yeah. that Spokane was the test for the mainstream songs, and mm-hmm. they'll try something different in Everett. Never know. Uh, also, I really did like the like the videos that they had produced. Yes. Uh, they had like SpongeBob SquarePants was like reading something, and uh, it went around to show what it was, and just said like make some noise, and then it went and everybody went crazy and then they had charlie in the chocolate factory looking at his golden ticket and his golden ticket <laughs> yes. just said noise in like big letters uh, my favorite one was the the blowfish that was yep. it was voiced by freddie mercury at live aid doing the day day that thing uh but it was a blowfish like an animated blowfish <laughs> on the screen that was that was singing it so that one crowd made me chuckle that pretty one. hard the crowd, got, into that crowd got really into that one and uh and i love freddie mercury and queen and i also just loved that they did like an under the sea riff yeah. on it. I so. love Blowfish. Yeah. Yeah. Who doesn't? Hootie? <laughs> Who doesn't? Yeah. Well, not that Blowfish. <laughs> yeah. They should play that as the song, huh? Yeah. And yeah. we should talk about the game a little bit. So, uh, you know, one thing that I thought was interesting is I wrote a story about all the players that I think are kind of like competing for either roster spots or playing time. I had Morgan Geeky as one of the guys who's competing for a roster spot. He had a great game, like, 
probably looked like Seattle's best player, I thought. Uh, and he did get credited with two goals. I say credited because the first <laughs> one was kind of an own goal by the Canucks off the mm-hmm. faceoff, which was a total you don't see that every day kind of a goal. Uh, but then Riley Sheehan had the first goal in the history of preseason Kraken. Ryan Donato had a goal. Uh, and Jared McCann, man, Great he, shot. He, could be, he could be a real steal. He looks awesome out there. So. Yeah. Uh, that's, those are all good signs. I think it's, I think it's just interesting. And, you know, I don't envy the coaching staff having to make decisions here about who to keep, who to, who to cut, right. Who to send to Charlotte. Uh, because frankly, like those are all guys that you could in theory see a a world in which they don't end up on the final roster and all three of them looked great. Right. So like the decision doesn't get any easier here. Um, so it's, it's but, just, but there's room for all those guys you mentioned. There is. I and do I, believe yeah. there's room yeah. for those guys. Uh, it makes it tougher on some of the guys that played tonight, you know, like the Alex Trues of the world who, I mean, the Kraken got smoked in Edmonton, which we kind of expected to happen, but the Alex Trues of the world, the, maybe the Will Borgans, you know, guys like that, uh, it, it could be a little bit more of an uphill battle after, after the two different performances, and, but and there's still, still games to go. Of we course. still haven't seen Colin Blackwell. He's That's been injured. true. He's injured. Wenberg's been out for with with having a baby. Yeah, or his Uh, wife having the baby. Pretty confident Wenberg's going to make the. Yeah, yeah, I think he'll. But how that? (laughs) I think he'll make it. But we don't know how that affects the rest of the. the, No, you're right. There's a trickle down. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Appleton. I thought Appleton looked like he belonged now. Mm -hmm. But to your point, is it's tough to. We've compared two games so far, and they've really faced completely different opponents. Basically, an AHL team against the Canucks. Right. Right. No no disrespect to the Canucks. That's just the the roster that they fielded, and Edmonton was. Pretty much their starting lineup, (laughs) so it makes it tough to compare because Seattle kind of put their their B squad, if you will, or Mm. or their personnel looked like more of a B squad with a lot of their top six not even in the lineup. So as much as I'm like, oh, those guys that we mentioned off the top, you know, the Geekies, the Donatos, the Sheehans, it feels like they've created some separation with the other guys that maybe played against Edmonton, but that's really not accurate. There's, Mm -hmm. like you said, there's four more games. You need to kind of see them how they play together and mix and match a little bit more to see who's really going to make the team. But I, I do like Geeky's play so mm-hmm. far. You know, I, I wouldn't say he's a lock. I think we were talking about it earlier that we were starting to feel pretty confident he was going to make the team. But we got to see, I guess. Yeah, yeah. He's come also more, been, come he's more games. He's also been good in the workouts in the camp, not just the games. And But as far as your point about seeing how they all mesh and see more of them, Dave Haxall talked to that point after Sunday that he's going to mix the lines up more. He wants to see other combinations. So he... He's not going to just look at that Vancouver game and make the decisions on that, obviously. So it's going to play out here over the next uh, four games. Uh, you know, they don't have to start cutting anybody right now. So there's plenty of time for those guys. Uh, especially if guys, someone didn't play well today, they have time to, to get back in good favor. So mm-hmm. it's still a long way to go. Um, I think it's too soon to start saying, oh, that line's a lock. Although there's been some lines that look good on Sunday. I thought that McCann line with Everly and Schwartz looked really good. And Kiki's line looked really yeah. good. And the, the power play looked pretty good. <laughs> but there were a couple moments where, like, clearly they hadn't been playing. There was a drop pass. Yeah, oh, nobody, yeah. Nobody, yeah. yeah. That was and funny. I was like, whoa, that's, you don't see that a lot. <laughs> no, you yeah. don't. Usually when they do the drop pass in the middle of the ice, it, it gets caught by somebody. There's usually somebody there to catch and it. And they've, they've literally had, like, a half hour of practice on, yeah. On, yeah. On, yeah. of all of camp on the power play. Mm-hmm. Both morning skates before the games, they put the stuff together a power play. John, I like that you called him Riley Sheehan because and like I'm not picking on you at all that's not the pronunciation I'm pretty sure it's Sheehan but the reason I think it's funny is because we had like an like a good five minute discussion <laughs> with a few of the people in like the media area the other day about how to pronounce that name and everyone was like I'm pretty sure it's Sheehan I'm pretty sure it's Sheehan I think it's Sheehan so I think it's Sheehan I'm yeah, pretty that, sure that it's was Sheehan the consensus yeah speaking of which uh-huh 
They also had the PA announcer in Spokane, which I believe is going to be the PA announcer in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And she, there's some kinks to work out. You know, a little slow and a little delayed on some of the messaging, like announcing a power play. Like a minute into it, which yeah, is a little which odd. is a yeah. little weird, but it is unique, and I think she sounds pretty good. I and loved I, it. And I think I she just she it. just needs she to iron great. those things out. And yeah. I don't know how these things work. Like, what are the triggers to announce certain things? Announce goals? Is it like a two or th- three person crew? I don't know. If she's on her own, that's hard. That uh-huh. would be hard to coordinate everything. For me, I think the like the key for the goal is as soon as the puck drops at center ice, you got to be ready to announce it. Yeah. Scoring for the Kraken, like right then and there, that's when it that's when it needs to happen. But there could be some weird coordination, and we've also sure. talked about like NHL not really having a full stats. stats. There's nobody there. To there yeah, well, lineups all, yeah. and all those things. So <laughs> we so, had no yeah. lineups. So uh, it wasn't the most well supported, like no, overall. Yeah. But first time, I think I think there's a lot of potential there. Yep. It's just definitely. like with the players, you can't you can't yep. judge yet. Yep. Not yet. Not yet. You can judge, yet. but it'd be yeah. premature. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Sunday. Uh, I mean to put a bow on it it just it was uh, a hell of a day it was everything i hoped it would be and i think more i mean it, it really was great every minute of it was enjoyable except uh, when my left driver got lost yeah that was that was tough and i guess for you when you were having to walk across the scaffolding because that didn't, <laughs> yes, that didn't scare me so much <laughs> life comes at you fast yeah. i'm very confident that next week in everett i will not have to walk across that's true yeah i believe that's accurate <laughs> You never know. (laughs) You never know. I've been there a few times. No scaffoldings. Uh, So then Tuesday, the game, not so good. We kind of expected it. They they took out the whole top line for Tuesday night's game. Uh, So no Eberle, no McCann, no Schwartz, who were together in uh, Spokane. I mean, they they had some moments, right? They had a few chances here and there. But ultimately, a 6-0 loss. Uh, I did like the play of Riker Evans, who is, is he 19 or 20 at this point? He's very young. He's 19 right now. He'll Uh be turning 20 in December. And the expectation is that he's going to go back to the Regina Pats. Sometimes I wonder, you know, because a lot of years you see uh, there's at least a few guys out of camp that are 19, 20 that at least get to stick with the NHL team for that nine game little window before it uh, burns a year of their deal. I don't think that's going to happen with him uh, because of the fact that they have so many guys on these one year deals that are battling for spots that are bona fide NHL players uh, at this point. So I don't think that's going to happen with him. I just don't think there's a spot for him. But man, he has showed really well. I think he's he's opened my eyes to what kind of a player he is. He's very slick. He's very shifty. Uh, and in that scrimmage, the interest squad scrimmage the other day, I mean, I thought he was one of the best players. Like, he made some very tricky little plays. Yeah, uh, he was drag, driving offense. Drag, yeah. yeah, jumping up in the rush. So, uh, I really, really liked his game. A friend of the pod, Joey Decord, also played really well in the third period tonight. He gave up one goal, but he made some uh, fantastic saves. So, uh, really, really liked his game. Had a nice little, I called it a cheeky poke check on, <laughs> on Connor McDavid. So, uh, that was good. Uh, did not like watching Connor McDavid just run amok out there. He was kind of just doing whatever he wanted, skating circles around the well, Kraken at times. Edmonton's but, power play has always been pretty strong, I mean, and they got a couple cats. Yeah. opportunities where it was like uh, there was the, the yeah. goal uh, to Hyman where he like slipped it past Bastion. And Bastion, I mean, no offense to Bastion, it looked a little bit like cone work, right? He just like (laughs) slid it around him, skated around the other side, didn't end up scoring on that one, but then like seconds later gets the puck back and does like a no look to Hyman on the back door who's just like wide open. Who just taps it in. Yeah, and it's a a reminder, right? Like if you're on a line with Connor McDavid, just go like stand next to the net and put your stick on the ice and you'll probably get a couple goals. Yeah, probably scoring 25 that in the year. So doing that has made Zach Cassian him. 
million. That's right. <laughs> Ooh, man. Shots wow. fired at, at Kraken Bra right there. Anyway, good stuff. Uh, well, not so good stuff, I guess, when you think about it, but uh, they'll have a little bit different lineup. Vince Dunn looked pretty Wednesday. good. Vince you, Dunn, yeah, great we, point. Thank we you were for talking bringing about that up. That. Yeah. Uh, you know, he didn't have a ton of opportunities to show what he could do, but very early in the game, he had two straight chances to score, and he ended up hitting Mike Smith in the head with his second shot. And I was like, you know what? Like, he looks pretty good. Definitely an offensive defenseman, but the way he moves out there, he's just kind of twirling around guys. And he didn't and, play Sunday, so that means yeah. like the Sunday lineup's going to be a little stronger with Vince Dunn in yeah. it. So anyway, yeah. So yeah. there's room for improvement on the Sunday lineup as well, is what you're saying, which uh, which is great. But uh, all in all, you know what? We are watching Kraken hockey. There's a lot more to go here before the season officially gets underway. And with that, let's get to our fascinating interview with Chris Joswack. We now welcome on to Sound of Hockey, the pro service manager, product developer, and marketer for Brian's Custom Sports. He's been with that company for 12 years, so he knows goalie gear probably better than just about anybody. Uh, but who doesn't like goalie gear? Who doesn't like a good Brian setup? Thank you so much for joining us. Chris Joswak, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, so <laughs> we hope our listeners will love this. This is a, a little bit of a, a different type of interview for us. You know, we, we do our goalie gear corner thing. Uh, Andy is is here. He seems to love a good Brian setup. Love the Brian's. Yep. So thought we'd <laughs> thought we'd get you on to talk a little gear. Let's start with this. Uh, I assume that. Well, I, I know that you're a goalie. Do you have a current setup? And if so, can you describe it for us? Walk us through it. Yeah, actually, just yesterday, I just tried out my new set. So I have a uh, for my men's league team, we have our first game tonight, I got a new genetic uh, five set. So okay. team colleagues, everything else just stocked, you know, I like to test out the, uh, the gear, see how it feels. Um, you know, the new genetic gear, you know, we've changed some materials, added some carbon to it and all that. So it's nice to, you know, go through, you know, each season, get the new stuff a little ahead of the curve and just test a little bit. So I've been testing some prototypes for like the last, you know, eight months, but you know, now this is the actual production set. Mm -hmm. So, and so you said it's just stocks. You didn't do any custom images. On no, in college <laughs> I had went all out my senior year, but yeah, traditionally now I just stick and promote the, uh, the latest, you know, stock graphics. Mm -hmm. so. Okay. All right. Uh, talk to us about your, your day to day a little bit with the company. It seems like you wear several different hats. Kind of tell us about what you do for the company. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you mentioned, you know, I've been with the company for almost 12 years and, you know, funny thing is, you know, kind of off topic, but you know, I was drawing goalie pads and designing gear when I was like in second grade. Yeah. And it's funny <laughs> that a lot of days now I'm often doing the same exact thing. So even like right now we're, you know, sending sketches to each other, you know, amongst the, you know, management team and figuring out what direction we're going to go with the graphics for the optic three. So right as the, you know, the next thing comes out, like currently we have the genetic five, um, we'll start working on the next one. So mm -hmm. um, that's where we're at right now is a lot of our time day to day is figuring out what materials we have to order for next year's line for the import, like the, uh, you know, the mid-level and the, the junior gear, we have to get those graphics out, you know, a year in advance so they can start building this stuff in the Philippines. 
for the value-based gear. And then as you know, um, the vast majority of our gear and all the custom gear, um, that's all made in Kingsville, Ontario in Canada. So, you know, so we're, we're starting to work on that, but it's just been a log jam lately because with COVID, you know, so many pro team, um, European teams, you know, traditionally they order their gear, you know, in April or May at the latest. And this year it was like, we got all those orders in July and August. So uh-huh. now, I have about, you know, 70 goalies texting me on a daily average that are like, Hey, where's my gear? And I got to track all this stuff. A lot of stuff <laughs> behind. So it's a lot of panic this year because a lot of, uh, teams, you know, they have photos and media days and, and all this stuff and games in two weeks. So they're real anxious to get their gear. And right now I'm just kind of playing that intermediary and trying to track where their stuff's at and when they're going to get it. So mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, sorry to get off topic like that. But yeah, like day to day, it really varies. You know, in the last year and a half, it's really varied. But traditionally, I spend most of my time working from my home office here in Michigan. It's about an hour away. Um, You know, I go, you know, 20 minutes over the border and then, you know, another 30 once you get into Canada. But uh, I haven't had to travel there much lately and, and haven't had to travel to see many teams. So where a lot of my job consisted of going to all these NHL teams are going to these retail outlets and do, you know, shows or conventions. Um, a lot of that has changed. So, you know, I've, I've been mostly home for the Brian stuff for a much longer period than expected, but you know, it allows us to get a lot of other things done and accomplished. So, so that's all interesting stuff. I, I know you kind of, it looks like you kind of went from college straight into Brian's working for the company. What in your background kind of led you to that? I know you were talking about sketching, pads as a kid but i assume that wasn't kind of what you put on your on your resume to get you the job right so how did you end up with that company yeah it all kind of just worked out perfectly actually i transferred to davenport university in grand rapids i was doing sports marketing the goalie coach there joe messina he was his goalie camp bandits was sponsored by brian's Mm. and he got me kind of into the gear i was wearing it my last year and a half of college i love the equipment and right as I graduated, they were looking for a young guy that's fresh out of college, kind of, you know, green to the industry that they can kind of shape. And I wore the brand. I, you know, I knew everything about the gear and just kind of took off from there. So, you know, I started off as like a grassroots marketing manager, handled all, all the goalie schools, did a lot of the, you know, sales and events all summer. And they had me running around everywhere. I was going to Vermont, Toronto, Boston, California, and just driving this little Brian's van and just doing all this, you know, (laughs) tedious work that no one else wanted to do. And from then on, I just kept taking on new roles and new roles and was playing a little semi-pro hockey and just one of those semi-pro leagues and, and in between like waiting for a role for them. And they called me and said, Hey, we, you know, we have this pro rep job for you. Can you get back up here and, uh, you know, take over. So I took over that thing and that was really where, you know, my role at, at Brian's really kept growing and, uh, you know, got involved in the product development, do all the social media, all the marketing, but yeah, I'd say my main, my main role is the, the pro rep. So I deal with all our, you know, NCAA East coast, AHL, NHL goalies, you know, we don't have a ton. So, you know, a lot of the other companies, you know, it's split up in territories or something else like different like that. I'm the only really the only guy that anyone deals with 
at, at the high end level. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, still deal with a lot of the European goalies, but we have distributors over there and stuff. So that's my passion. And I love designing the gear. We have, I think the best designer in the industry, Rio Roy. So I work hand in hand with him and we really feed off of each other on you know, the specs and the graphics and, and really work well together. So it's it's a nice little team that we have there and try to keep growing, you know. But I do want to know a little bit uh, about the uh, the brand story of Brian's. I, you know, I've been familiar with it pretty much my whole life. My very first set of goalie pads was Brian's Air Packs back in the uh, like early 90s when I was a tiny little kid. And then, uh, you know, growing up, I had some other pieces of Brian's equipment. I had the, I, I, were they called the Air 51s? Those ones that had like the claw marks across them. I yep, think that's yep. what they were called. I had those when I was a Bantam. So uh, I, it goes back a long way, but you know, it was a, it was a company that always just sort of existed for me. And then when I was in, uh, I'd say like high school, college age, it felt like I stopped seeing high level goalies wearing Brian's stuff. And maybe I'm wrong on that, but that's just like how I remember it. Um, and then suddenly there is this, uh, sort of like a resurgence and all of a sudden you saw it everywhere again. So I'm, I'm wondering if you can kind of walk us through the history of the company and just uh, tell us what's been the the ups and downs. Yeah, absolutely. So <clears throat> Brian's was founded in 1984. So actually, you're probably familiar with Brian Heaton. So Brian Heaton created Heaton goalie equipment, uh-huh. Brian's goalie equipment, uh-huh. and so on. So and then he was also had his hand in some other brands at some other points in time. But uh, Brian Heaton, I think is, you know, one of the top goalie equipment gurus of all time. Mm -hmm. You know, you have some, you know, significant names out there that are always promoted. And really he was definitely up there as maybe the top one or two, you know? So he actually started Brian's out of a pro shop and was building the gear in the back of the shop there, just for goalies that were looking for equipment and just kind of took off and then eventually split from, you know, just Brian's to Heaton and so on. And then uh, eventually that company got bought out from another family and uh, there was a fire and a bankruptcy. And that's around the time Mm. that you're talking about where you didn't see it for quite a few years. Mm. And then the uh, current ownership group who it's like, you know, like 11 shareholders or so um, they've taken over and really revitalized things. And that's where you saw that resurgence. So that was, uh, you know, a couple of years before I joined on and, and I started to see it more and more. And then, you know, when I got on my mentor and my boss at the time, Graham Watson, who he was previously with Louisville and really took that company, you know, upward with Messier and Hashik and all those guys, you know, we just kept driving forward and something that was supposed to only be a little mom and pop company really took off and has really reached the mainstream levels. So we are still pretty much a mom and pop company, but, you know, I think with our social media and, and, you know, all the action, the gear gets, you know, it makes the company look bigger than what it really is. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I did not know that about uh, <laughs> Brian Heaton that he, cause those were like the two brands, right? Aside from Vaughn, when I was a kid, it was like, you either had Brian's stuff or you had Heaton stuff. Right. <laughs> so I was like, oh man, these two companies must really hate each other. But apparently <laughs> really, it's his first name and his last name. Yeah. It's the same font for the logo, but yeah, I don't think anyone puts two and two together. And I said, well, you know, that's pretty funny. But, yeah. So you, you mentioned you've been there 12 years and, and you don't have to be a goalie to notice that, that the, the pads and the technology has changed, you know, in that time. So in some cases, pretty drastically. Yeah. What do you, what do you think some of the biggest innovations are that have happened in, in goalie gear since you've been in the biz? Yeah, I think there's definitely three that I could tell you, um, two of which I think we've single handedly did and one that we're not involved in at all. I would say the the top thing we've done 
or two things the engineered foam core so you know back in the day when you know you're talking the air 51s and all that you're talking deer hair you're talking all these heavy foams this shredded foam stuff that doesn't last it's heavy um doesn't it shrinks it shrinks shrinks. over time (laughs) conformity um it just doesn't have any rigidity that you're really looking for at the high level now so the engineered foam core took pads that used to weigh upwards of 10 pounds down to four and a half you know right around there so over 50 percent lighter so you know when you're talking a goalie that has to make such you know split second movements that weight really takes importance as well as the durability like nhl goalies now most people don't understand they're going through halakos through 10 sets of pads a year at least minimum um i mean how hard the guys are shooting now you're skating every day you're traveling all this it all takes a wear and tear on the equipment how equipment was designed back in the 80s and 90s would never last at the levels now because the hockey's so rigorous you know the pucks come so fast and it's just a, a crazy game so um the engineered foam and how it's designed back like say you know right right before i came on board really changed the game and we first introduced that in the zero g pad about 14 years ago and then while i was on the team like a few years later we created the smart strap system so that's you know every pad you always saw with these big clunky nylon buckles or leather strap you'd see all these nhl guys that got like 10 straps on the back of their pad well, you know, half of them, they're just doing to like the very last hole. It had no purpose. It's just weight hanging from the backside of the pad. But goalies mentally could not get over reducing those or taking them completely away. And Rio and I designed this Velcro system that really just, I, I tried it once in a game on a prototype side and I had my best skate in ages and I was blown away in the locker room before I thought they're going to fall off. I was kept modifying them and all this. And they're just so simple, but so effective. It takes the weight off, takes all the strain off the leg. And now you look at almost every single goalie pad out there has a version of the smart straps and virtually no pad on the market now has leather straps or nylon buckles. And the funny thing is at the time, you know, I was going around to, you know, conventions and everything else and everyone was knocking our ideas that it was going to be a fad. It wasn't going to work. And literally everyone has, you know, copied it in some form now. So I think on the Brian's level, those are the two biggest innovations in goal equipment. It all comes down to weight and strain. Uh, You know, it's all about the human anatomy and kind of going with the body. And then what Bauer and now CCM and a couple of these companies have done with the printing technology, I think is pretty um, innovative. I mean, it, it goes against everything we do. We're super lightweight, but however, what the big thing that we're known for is, I know you guys are a fan of, is the cut and sew graphics. What Rio can do with these leathers and mix the materials and, and sew it all together and everything, it's a work of art. you know. And that's something that those other companies, not to knock them, they just don't have the the skilled talent there. They don't have the production. They don't have the time. They're not, they don't have the ability to do it. So they had to come up with a way to cater to the goalies that want a custom graphic without doing all the work. So it has shaved weight off and where have they gotten the printing abilities? It is pretty amazing now. So I give them credit for that, but you know, we still, and we're actually the first ones that came out with one of those technologies. I don't know if you ever saw the tiger pad, but we did a 3D printed tiger pad. It, it looked great, but we, you know, we sat there in a couple of meetings and and we knew kind of Bauer was going to come up with something similar. And 
we just went back and forth and decided just to stick with the cut and sew. And we're still here today doing that. And, you know, maybe in the future, we'll look at it a little bit, but cut and sew graphics is definitely our bread and butter. So I think it's the cut and sew graphics that make it look so much cooler. I think that's why Andy likes Brian so much, but <laughs> my opinion. Well, and I'm curious about that process. I mean, you mentioned you were sketching goalie pads when you were in third grade or do, do the goalies themselves come to you with, Hey, I've got this idea. Do you guys have some, like artists or consultants that work with the goalies how does that process kind of work to go from idea to an actual graphic that's going to be sewn on it really really varies so Mm -hmm. it can go from i have goalies like garrett sparks and a couple of the other guys that draw you know pictures of pads on napkins or (laughs) we have our in-house design team which consists of rio um and myself and you know i'm pretty efficient on photoshop and have came up with a lot of the graphics. Rio, I, I really think is truly the best in the game, like I've already said. And, uh, but we also like, you don't want to get into this, everything looks the same or has the same style to it. We all kind of have our signature looks when we do our graphics. Um, so we do, you know, for Robin Laner, I've reached out to a couple guys and for Aaron Dell, he has a buddy Chance who does graphics. And so we, we're not closed off. We're, um, willing to work with designers. We've done contests for Ranta and, and all these guys, and, and we've let users and fans submit designs. So um, we're not one of those companies that have an ego that everything has to come from us or, you know, we don't do any of it. So it really, really varies. But I think it also lends to it, it changes what the final product looks like. I think you check out Aaron Dell's new set, you check out Halak's new set, mm-hmm. they're both from completely different designers and just give two unique looks. So. Yeah, they're very different. Yeah. We've we've talked about both sets on our show, in fact. Uh, yep. Aaron Dell has the, the buffalo head, and I, I personally think, and maybe we're jumping the gun a little bit here, but I, I personally think Aaron Dell is, has some of the best gear setups of all time. I know, but Aaron Dell, yeah, I think, I think his style's always been great. Even when before he was in our gear, he always had that scarecrow mask in college at uh, North Dakota. Mm-hmm. And uh, then he, he wanted to try Brian's. But yeah, traditionally, he's always had some really nice sets. And even he, he, he dares to take it to the edge. You know, like we use that bright neon yellow or orange when he was with San Jose a couple oh, yeah. times. Yeah. And it actually got outlawed by the league. I guess there was general <laughs> managers that said it was too much of a distraction out there. So That's him hilarious. and Ray Emery at the time had to go away from the neon orange because wow. the, the general managers didn't like it. Well, and it feels, it feels like Dell and like even Robin Leonard like to push the limits, you know, and where, where do you see that those graphics going in the future? I mean, remember, I remember the old days with just the plain white face masks of Jason masks. And now we're to where, where they're printing, you know, these detailed images on, on pads. Uh, where, where do you see that kind of stuff going in the future? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much further it can really go. <laughs> now we're even doing custom graphics on the back of the pads. And I mean, even we're doing some stuff right now for Garrett Sparks. And it's like, you know, he likes the, the designer, Virgil Abloh, and his company, Off-White. So there's a lot of Off-White features on his pads. So it's kind of taking things to different levels and, and you know, looking at different industries. And I constantly send pictures to Rio, you know, of like interiors of cars. So I'll look at these you know, Lamborghinis and Mercedes and all this that not even the stock OEM seats, but then they get taken to the next level by, you know, these aftermarket companies, Mansory and Brabus and, and really make it really outlandish and super rich. And 
that's where I like to look is all these cut and sew and stitch lines and, and how these automotive companies and everything really take things to the next level. So it'll be interesting, but for us, it's more emphasis on the sewing ability and all that, where the other companies are going the opposite way. And we kind of like make fun of them. We say it's like more like that's like street hockey gear. And I don't think you even notice like in pictures, a lot of the stuff looks great. But I think when you have a side to side comparison of a cut and sew custom graphic versus a printed custom graphic, you can really see all the extra work and effort that is put in that one pad, you know, it is, so. it is very different. Yeah. So you mentioned Robin Leonard earlier a couple of weeks ago, he was joking that he uh, was trying to have the <laughs> image of that his agent put out there with the sword in his back. Did did he actually come to you with that? Be like, I want a sword from like a, no. <laughs> a buddy sword. Uh, he, he, he didn't come to me with that one, but yeah, it's a crazy <laughs> idea. You know, Robin's a unique character too. I mean, you never know what you're going to get with him. Sometimes he wants something <laughs> so crazy and sometimes he wants something so simple. He's just so up and down, but you know, that's, that's him. That's where his mental state is and you know who he is as a person and i i love it because it keeps me on the on the ball you know and even when he makes phone calls like you know you don't even know how he's gonna answer the phone sometimes <laughs> you know what's up with some expletives or it could be hey bro you know so <laughs> it can really go anywhere with him but you know that's that's him and i think he's doing a great job for you know everything he's pushing out there with uh, mental health and mm -hmm. um, you know, he, he's one of the guy that doesn't hold back. He's not afraid to go against, he doesn't care what people think, but he cares about what he's trying to push and, and the community he's trying to reach. And that's what he cares about. He's, he's, he doesn't give a, you know, he doesn't have a care in the world for people telling him don't say that. So I respect him a lot and people either love or hate him, you know, but I think he's gained more and more fans over time and you got to respect what he does, you know? So, and he's a, he's a really underrated goalie. And I mean, he'll, he'll be the first one to tell you, but you look at his stats and you watch him, even my dad, he, my dad thinks he just flops around out there. And <laughs> actually, such a good goalie. He, I mean, he knows the game so well. I spent time with him and Sparks in Chicago a couple summers ago. And like Sparks was just a sponge taking in all the information that Robin knows about hockey. And, you know, his dad was a goalie coach. So, I mean, he's a wealth of knowledge and he's a huge team player, even though, you know, people think, you know, in the locker room, he's probably an ass or something. <laughs> he, he cares so much about his teams and just wants them to win. And, you know, he has a, he has a true passion for the game. And with a guy like Lanner, who's always trying to push the limit on what he can get on his pads, it seems like, how often does a guy come to you with an idea that, that just can't be done? It's just too intricate or too, just, never, it's just too hard I, to do now. Okay. We've never, we've never had anything <laughs> turned down. I think if anything, we've had things that the league have turned down. Uh, uh, you know, there's been times where even like, uh, like Craig Anderson at one point wanted to put like the Corvette and Ferrari logos on the back of his pad. And the NHL said that that's an advertisement. Um, and stuff like that, like little things like that. We've been rejected, but it's not something that we can't do. Is there a process where you have to submit it to the NHL for approval? So when we build the gear, it, everything has to go to the league. So they uh, measure everything. They make sense. sure it's within the constraints. Like we just sent Robin Laner's pads to the league yesterday and they came back rejected. So uh -huh. now those will come back. I don't know what's wrong. Maybe they might have been a little too tall. We did the uh -huh. new genetic pad that might have sat a little bit taller than his previous pad. 
So they'll send them back to the factory. We'll make the modifications. We'll either have to just take photos and they'll approve them, you know, if it's, you know, if they can clearly see the changes or we'll have to send them back to them and then they'll ship them out to the team. So, but when they get the gear for that stuff, that's where visually doesn't meet the the level what they think you know then they can also reject them for that too so interesting if you need a guy to send the rejects to you send, you can send them my way i assume most <laughs> nhl goalies are about five eight right okay <laughs> yeah. well that's the thing though but you know with the with these nhl rules and regulations the pads that these six foot three guys wear now oftentimes are what a lot of i see these men's league guys wearing that are five eight so um there has been since i've been in the industry Halak's a great example. He used to wear a 35 plus two pad and uh, he always always wanted to do bigger. And he joked around about breaking his kneecaps over the summer and, and you get a half inch growth. Like I guess these supermodels in, in Slovakia do it. And uh, but now in today's age, he's constantly going smaller. So, you know, since the new rules, he was bitching and complaining. And now, you know, he likes the smaller pad and feels that he moves better in them. And I'm constantly see goalies going smaller now than bigger. So, you know, a lot of the pro returns are a lot smaller. They probably, I'd say 20% smaller than they were about five or six years ago. I'm curious. I mean, obviously you're a hockey fan. Do you, do you solely just root for your guys or? Yeah. yeah how does that change the way you watch hockey? It does. Absolutely. Um, I would say, you know, all my buddies are Detroit Red Wing fans and it's like, I don't have a goalie here. <laughs> um, at the rink, that's the main rink I go to when I visit my players is when they're in mm-hmm. town. But I have no admiration or love for the Red Wings. It's just solely on my guys. So, And some of the important guys, like, say, Igor Shosturkin, when he came into the league and he's on a streak, I'll watch every game religiously and, and root for him. And same thing, you know, as Halak was going through the years, he was, like, my first guy. You know, I watched so many of his games. And a lot of these years, like – I would say I'm more of a psychologist to these guys than a uh, mm. equipment rep. So it's important that I watch the games and see what they're going through, see how the gear plays to them, see what kind of goals they're letting in and really kind of talk them off the ledge, you know, sometimes. So it's funny that when, you know, when guys get in slumps, you know, when they have little rough goes, they immediately want to change stuff with their gear because it's the first thing to blame. Right. So I've always had to kind of stay prepared for that and watch the trends and see how the goalies are playing. So, um, that's why you want a goalie that's winning because they're a lot easier to deal with. So, yeah. See, I always blamed the team. Maybe I should start blaming my equipment more, but you know, it's funny though. I always, I always felt like if I got a new piece of equipment, no matter what it was, I'd come out and like play really well the next game. Like even if it was like a new stick or something. And I think there's just a mental thing of like just being excited to be out there and use that new piece of gear. So I wonder if there's, there's actually something to that, that like, you need to change something in your in your equipment setup. And even though it's clearly just mental, right? Like that might be a thing for them that like as a goalie, I need to change something in what I'm wearing or using because it's going to help me in the next game. You think there's anything to that? Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think that's what Halak does a lot of times. I mean, a lot of these guys like, you know, you're always getting so much equipment that he just starts putting it on his personal credit card because the team <laughs> and the teams would get mad. They're like, if the GM finds out he's buying his own gear, you know, I could get fired and all that. Like when he was at the blues and, and so forth. And, I go, no one's going to find out. No one cares. Like he just wants more gear. He wants it white. He wants it new. He wants it clean. You know, cause he <laughs> actually cleans his pads too with the magic eraser. So if you ever notice mm. Halak's pads are basically never dirty. So yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah he, he likes that. He thinks that it visually, it looks bigger and just gives a nice look. And 
yeah, he, he'd be wearing new stuff every game if he could. So, all right, here's a here's a good question for you. Who do you think in the NHL currently has the best the setup? Best setup. Well, mm-hmm. I don't know. I right now, like out of our goalies, I really like Igor Shosturkin's new gear. Outside designer did his. It's just totally different than anything out there. Um, you're taking basic colors, red, white, and blue. And, you know, it wasn't even meant to look like the Madison Square Garden. But if you look, it actually looks like the the roof, like the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a different kind of look than anything else out there. I've always liked Yarrow's uh, scratch graphics just because that was unique. It's not overkill. It's not too much. It's just different. He went a little bit different, just a slightly different take on it this year. It almost looks like dripping paint. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I don't really have a favorite, to be honest. I mean, I'd be biased where it'd be one of my guys. Um, of course. Well, obviously, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't really. I mean, the ba- the Bauer brand, like, uh, you know, they've had a cool, couple of things. I'm like, oh, that, you know, that's pretty cool. Or, oh, I'm surprised I didn't think of that or something like that. But, uh, you know, everything else is pretty much stock with the other brands. So, but, you know, every, everyone's stock graphics look really good right now. I think every brand is kind of competing with each other pretty well in terms of that stuff where, you know, back in the day, I, I just thought we were steps above everyone. You know, I'd see what we're putting out and it, I didn't think anyone else stood a chance when it came to graphic design and all that. But everyone's really stepped it up. And I think a lot of the gear on the shelves right now looks really nice. And how about this one? Who and this may be going back to even before you worked for Brian's, but uh, who's got the best setup of all time? What's your favorite? Yeah, I, I've always liked Felix Potvin's stuff. To be yeah, you know Felix Potvin was uh, one of my favorite goalies as a kid, and uh, he. It's funny because I even now for beer league, I started wearing number twenty nine in honor of Felix Potvin, <laughs> and I I think it it honestly is like he was kind of the original to do something really unique and really different um, from what was already out there and yeah I, I look back on what he wore very fondly he was with brian's for at least a while i remember yeah, he had uh, the cap hats yeah but yeah exactly. i also yeah. wore 29 for a long time because of him <laughs> i think what was cool about him is you know back in the 90s you look at him broder you know a couple of these guys it's like they had an identity they had their custom mm-hmm. mask that didn't change it wasn't really team related it was more personal like eddie belfour and these guys and it went with it, whatever team they joined. And then they had that personality on their gears that was an identity to them. And that's one thing that I think a, a few guys still achieve, like Halak and Ray Emery always did. He had the ra- uh, Razor graphics, you know, the barbed wired kind of look. And that was kind of symbolized his nickname Razor and his tattoos and, and all that. And I, I think when you can pull off creating an identity, because I think that's what being a goalie really is. I think that's what drew you into it. It's what drew me into it. And, you know, when, when you look out on the ice, the only player that stands out like that is the goalie. And if you can successfully capture creating an identity for yourself out there and create a story with your gear and, and your mask and all that, I think it's, it's pretty incredible and really, you know, you, you become known for it, you know? So, yeah. um, I think Felix Pavin did a great job with that, with the Felix, the cat kind of, everything wasn't like, it's not like he just literally popped a Felix, the cat logo, you know, on things or, or just made a, a you know, obvious cat thing is all kind of obscure 
and different, but took it to the next level for sure. Yeah. Well, he had the that like black and blue co-host stuff that actually was like mass produced for kids, yeah. which was kind of bonkers. <laughs> and then, but when he had the uh, the Brian set, I remember what I what really blew me away about it because it really was one of the first ones that had like an actual graphic of something on the pads. Back then, Brian's always had the top of the star at the top of the pads, mm-hmm. and he kept the top of the star, but the top of the star was the the ears of the cat, which was <laughs> I thought it was so brilliant. I was like. Oh, it's so clever. And like you wouldn't you wouldn't even get it if you weren't a weren't a goalie, didn't understand the Brian's uh brand at the time. But um, anyway, good stuff. Uh all right, we've now talked about goalie gear for over a half an hour. So we've probably lost some listeners at this point that will never come back to us. But I think this has been really fun for others and uh we, we really appreciate you coming on, Chris. Okay, here's last question for you before we let you go. Uh what do you think is coming down the pike for like a technology standpoint, what's going to be the next game changer? I think what a lot of brands are kind of looking at now, you look at the shoe industry, um, you look at all these things is 3d printed in terms of, you know, actual printing. So, you know, you cut out a lot of that weight, you look at shoe soles and how, you know, 3d printing has changed the game for that stuff. And you're just looking for new ways to reinvent the current materials in a lighter and, more durable fashion, like I mentioned with the engineered form. So I, I think you'll see a lot of technologies push the next couple of years with that stuff. And you're just going to see lighter, faster gear, you know, whatever can yeah. enhance the goalie's performance out there will take the gear, you know, to the next level. Thank you again to Chris Joswak for joining us and teaching us all about Brian's gear. Uh, I really thought that was fascinating, and I, I know I mentioned it in the interview, but the fact that Brian and Heaton are the <laughs> same guy boggled my mind because when I was a kid it was like you were either a Brian's guy or you were a Heaton guy and there was no overlap right like Martin Brodeur was the Heaton guy Felix Potvan was the Brian's guy right and that trickled down all the way to kids and uh and there you go you had two different companies that actually were started by the same person and his name is on both of them so (laughs) fascinating Anyway, uh, good stuff thank you again Chris for joining we now move on to our weekly one-timers Whoopsh. Our f- God, it's so weird that you're right over there, John. Our first <laughs> weekly one-timer. Whoopsh. 30 of 32 teams are expected to open the season with 100% capacity, which is, I guess that's a good thing, eh? That is yeah. a good thing. Thank <laughs> you, eh? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Canucks are only expected to be about 50% when they okay. open, and then Montreal is about 33%, but everybody Just because else... they're not very popular? <laughs> probably, probably, because yeah. they... they really laid an egg when they played Seattle in the preseason game. So <laughs> great point. Maybe yeah. that's what it is. That's so it. Yeah. Fans, the fans are in revolt. Uh-huh. There's also some other things like 10 teams are expected to ask for proof of vaccination. Mm-hmm. Seattle being one of them. So mm-hmm. keep an eye on that. There's various other protocols in place for the other, other areas. Now there is talk about the Alberta teams potentially doing a bubble in Edmonton because that's no, the only way they yeah. play hockey. No, kind of. <laughs> well, I mean, it, switching gears from humor to somewhat concerning is that there's a strain on the healthcare system right now in in Alberta. And I think some of the health officials are asking for the teams to not have full capacity when they open. But as of now, Calgary and Edmonton are open at full capacity. There you go. Uh, Our next weekly one-timer. And on the topic of vaccinations, Mackenzie Blackwood isn't getting it. Well, at least he hasn't yet. He, uh, it was kind of interesting. He, he had a quote today where it was like, yeah, you know, I'm just really kind of taking my time. Just I have some health concerns and things like that. So I'm just I'm not rushing to do it. And ah, 
We're still here. We're still we're still doing this thing. This is still a thing that we're doing. To the NHL's credit, there are very very few of these uh, out there, and I mean they've really kind of like thrown down the gauntlet. Like if you don't get vaccinated. Sorry, but you're not going to get paid if you miss games because of this. You know, if you're in close contact or whatever the case, uh, if you can't play because you can't cross the Canadian border, it is what it is. You you don't get paid for it. So there's there's no messing around here with the players. Uh, I think it's it's just uh, it's just an interesting thing. The the bummer there is they play plenty of Canadian teams. They have like nine trips to New Jersey has nine trips to Canada this year, mm-hmm. and so that might mean twenty games that he's not playing in. Which it's fine if he doesn't care about those 20 games and whatever percentage of his paycheck, that's fine. But the team really would probably want, want, their want Mackenzie Black, their yeah, the, the better goalie, <laughs> the goalie. In, up there. So, I mean, it, it kind of impacts the team at this point yeah. um, as, as much as, you know, if he doesn't care and doesn't care about that money, that's fine by him. But there's consequence. Yep. Our final weekly one timer. Couple of local pieces to touch on. WHL hockey is starting this week. Oh, it's a WHL update with our WHL correspondent within our <laughs> weekly one timers. Whoa. Andy, what's up with the WHL? Yeah, so WHL is starting coming up here this coming weekend. Uh-huh. The Everett Silver Tips will open their season in Spokane where we just were. Uh-huh. On Sunday, October third. Uh-huh. I'm doing the math thing again mm-hmm. here because we have Everett is in Spokane, where we just were with the Kraken. Mm-hmm. The Kraken are in Everett. On Friday, the uh-huh. first. Okay. So, right. but, so Everett will play Sunday, Okay. the third. The Thunderbirds open on October 2nd, the Saturday, okay. in Portland hmm. against the Portland Winterhawks. At the same time as the, the, the arena will be hosting the Kraken and uh-huh. the Flames. Fascinating. There Very is a couple other uh, WHL teams playing, like Tri-City Americans are also Starting this weekend, so it's not just about the Puget Sound area, but all WHL teams are starting this weekend. Mm -hmm. Even the ones in Saskatchewan. Wouldn't you know. That's Uh, true. And then UW Hockey is also getting underway, and they are playing at the Kraken Community Iceplex, are they not? That's correct. So they have a game against their bitter rivals, Mm -hmm. the Washington State Cougars. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're playing at 7.30 p.m. Friday and Saturday at the... Kraken Community Iceplex or the KCI. Mm-hmm. If you're not going to one of those NHL games and just want to get a quick, relatively cheap hockey fix, and you haven't seen the facility, go check it out. It's a good, good opportunity to go check out the facility and check out some some ACHA college hockey. And from what I understand, Huskies have quite the recruiting class this year. Oh, so, yeah. interesting. So some uh, little insight there. Uh, all right, so that wraps up our weekly one-timers. Whoops. We close the show with our tweets of the week. John, your tweet of the week. Two-parter, as Uh always. Ryan Clark tweeted earlier on Tuesday in an interview with Luke Henman, the post-practice interview. Ryan Clark says, Luke Henman said he gained 12 pounds over the offseason and adds he ate between five and six times a day during the summer. To which Kristen Shelton, who's a beat writer for the Toronto Maple Leafs, tweets, finally have something in common with a professional athlete <laughs> I, yeah i saw quite a few of those yeah, which, which was funny everybody was like oh well yeah I can, I can get behind this eating a lot of food andy your tweet of the week my tweet of the week comes from the gritty one uh-huh. gritty, oh yeah famed mascot of the philadelphia flyers i've who heard of him. at their game tonight uh-huh. they're playing the new york islanders i think they won i'm not sure uh he holding up a sign in the rank that says welcome to preseason where everything's made up and the points don't matter oh like whose line is it anyway Yep. Loved that show. Or, or what's my line? 
No, that's not. It's whose line is it anyway? Then I had an argument earlier about what that show is called. He's right. I'm wrong. I know I am. (laughs) My tweet of the week comes from Clarissa, a.k.a. Quinn's Edgework. It's a video of the Vancouver media scrum happening in Spokane. And it says, half-naked Brandon Tanev sneaking past Jack Rathbone's (laughs) post-game interview is the highlight of the day. And... uh, I, I mean, if you haven't seen this, just look it up because this is a hilarious, hilarious video. But he pops out from behind this little curtain, realizes that there's a media scrum happening and that he's in the background. He goes, oh, shoot. So he goes around to the other side. You clearly see him like poke out again. And then he's like, nope, I'm not going to make it. So he pulls up the curtain and holds it up and then like uses it as a little shade so that he can sneak behind and get out of the camera frame. I mean, first of all, it's pretty quick thinking. Like, it's it's really funny. But the fact that he thought that that was going to actually cover him <laughs> to get him out of there is is hysterical. I think it's, it's just incredible. Now, also, he, I mean, he, this guy's a character, right? Because he's, <laughs> he, not only was he the one who had the, you know, the ghost in his uh, mm-hmm. media picture, he then recreated that for this year. And then we kind of called it out on Sound of Hockey this week that he had a ridiculous amount of sock tape on his socks. And somehow that got picked up by a couple other larger media outlets that like tweeted it out. And lots of people were commenting on it, which was pretty funny. Accusing uh, him of wasting clear tape. Yeah, exactly. So we asked him about it. He said he just wants to keep his his pads very secure. So uh, there you go. It's more function over over fashion. So I don't know if I told you guys this before, but at the Kraken game in Spokane, mm-hmm. There was a bunch of fans that had a like eight by ten photo of Tanov's head on sticks, so they put it in front of their face, like, and it was the ghost picture. <laughs> oh, so it was pretty good. So that wow. might be a thing. You know the, about Tanov when I got down to the media area a little bit late, and actually, I'm probably in this same video. I bet if you watch long enough, just going the other way, because I got there a few minutes late, and uh, but I did definitely see Tanov down there, just like wandering around in just his like whatever you call those like compression shorts that you wear under your gear. And I was like, man, that's a, you know, there's a lot of people down here. Like that's a a very, and, and usually they do the, the interviews in just like their, their compression shorts and like, you know, a t-shirt or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. I was like, that's, that's not much clothing that he's wearing there. So then to see this video later on that he had poked out from behind the curtain and gotten himself on (laughs) camera was hysterical. So speaking uh, of which, Tanev actually played pretty well in yeah. that that game in Spokane. I, I liked like, his game. I, I really was pretty have. impressed. Like yeah. I, I thought high energy, high speed, stretching the game a lot. Around. Yeah, yeah, like well, I was like, wow, that's he's played an impressive game. I, I wanted to get his uh, shift charts and his minutes because uh, it feels stats. like he logged. Yeah, <laughs> feels like he logged a lot of minutes mm-hmm. for being, he, I think, the fourth line. He was like that on the scrimmage Saturday too. He threw like he threw a giant hit that sh- shook the boards and like, might have been the only hit throwing that scrimmage but (laughs) one last thought before we go and i i'm just thinking of it now uh so when they did the let's go crack in clap 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 right that feels i mean i love it right standard hockey chant i think we can do better Uh i think we have an opportunity and i had an idea and i want to just run it by you guys here you know the last time you had an idea you suggested macklemore uh right right (laughs) so you know at sounders games they do that thing and i always think it's really really cool because the whole stadium gets involved where at one end they yell seattle and then the other end yells sounders and it goes back and forth what if we did that but seattle Kraken. Well, you guys didn't participate very well. I gave them the point. I gave them the point so that they knew to yell back, Kraken. 
and I thought that would be pretty cool and a unique thing to do at an NHL arena. Sure, I like it. Yeah, I'm we'll in. see. We'll see what the fans like. They did have. Oh, by the way, they did have. <laughs> Thanks for the you, feedback, you, John. You love suggesting ideas. To I me, do, don't you? Well, yeah. hey, if, here's the thing: if I get enough people on board, right? If I have a listener that has seats on one side of the arena and another listener that has seats on the other side of the arena, maybe they can connect and they can be like the section leaders. Two guys for getting this thing. Well, I <laughs> yeah. think you do need two. Yeah. I think I think you need people. You, you need two to tango, Andy. Right? Yes. Yeah. So two thousand people. One guy's going to yell Seattle. Uh huh. And the other guy's going to yell Kraken, and the rest of the crowd's going. There's going to be some more coordination. Than we that. just we we need these two people, whoever they are to be on the same page uh-huh. so that when they you know they're going to get a small group of people around them to yell seattle and then the person on the other side is going to know to be listening for that right uh-huh. and maybe they plan it out like all right we're going to do it at the 10 minute mark of the second period or whatever just be on the listen right okay. seattle <laughs> i'm sure they'll hear it crap <laughs> right this seems like a great plan all right I, I, by the way they did play <laughs> some sea shanties i guess at the i heard that yeah oh. It, you know when I heard that? I was walking over yeah. the scaffolding when oh, I heard yeah. that. That's why I remember I was like, it. <laughs> and it was kind of like you could barely make it out. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. It was yeah, all right. Yeah. You know, it took us a while, but we finally did get off the rails here. So anyway, we were off the rails. Well, you and did. It's a good time us. to wrap yeah. up the show before it gets any more ridiculous. Uh, thank you all for joining. Thank you again to Chris Jawswack. Uh, thank yeah. you to the Kraken for existing because that's <laughs> pretty freaking cool. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> oh no, thank I just you saw for that. No more city council meetings. McDavid is trending on Twitter. Oh uh, boy, I wonder why. Yeah, you played it right. Anyway, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, hope you will review us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe on Stitcher. Subscribe on Spotify. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you do leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we'll read it on next week's show. We will talk to you all very soon for episode 157. Cheers. Sensation is the teenage lady killer Maharaji's on the death side dancing like a freak.